chapter number 15 of the book of Exodus. Uh, I want to read a few verses here. I want everybody to look at me before I begin this message. Tuesday, uh, Brother Duncan, myself, and Miss Wendy, and that's right, Miss Wendy, just got back from a motorcycle ride, and some of you might have saw that. Miss Wendy didn't want to go, but she went. And uh, we got back, and uh, I went over to ride a local mountain bike track a little bit in the woods right there near my hotel, get some exercise. And I knew Brother Douglas hadn't called me, which is unusual. He was supposed to eat at 5.30. And so then uh, he called me, and he told me about the accident that took place and about Ryan being killed. Ryan actually lived with Brother and Sister Duncan for six years. Now Ryan's life is an interesting story. The young man got killed, 34. At 18 months old, he was in the back of a car with another child about that age. And a man was running for the police, I believe, driving drunk. And his dad was also in the front seat. And they were in a major crash. The man driving the car was paralyzed from his neck down. Ryan's daddy was killed at 18 months old. At 30 years old, his mom, at the age of 30, went in for a valve replacement in open heart surgery and died during the open heart surgery. So he lost his dad and his mom. So brother and sister Duncan took him in. And from age 12 to 18, he lived with them, come a part of their church, got married, he and his wife went to the church, and then just recently, as you know, last Tuesday, lost his life in an accident. Well, when I got that call that night, I knew that the entire meeting would change. You would have a church that was brokenhearted. Revival would not be the necessary theme as much as restoration and trying to help them. So I sort of had to switch gears in my own self. And I preached something to them that I want to preach to you this morning. There is no doubt that the Lord had given this to me to give to them and that I strongly feel to give to you this morning at Calvary. You never know what people are going through in their lives. You don't know. Listen, I, I, the last two days my phone has been loaded with calls of people going through different things. Some of them has nothing to do with our church, but people I'm affiliated with across the country. And I want you to look at verse number 22 of Exodus 15. The Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? I think it's interesting in this passage how they loved the preacher as long as everything was going the way they wanted it to go. But as soon as it didn't go the way they wanted it to go, all of a sudden they wondered what's wrong with the preacher. Amen. I'm amazed how churches do that. Churches being blessed and growing, folks coming in. Boy, our preacher's doing a great job. All of a sudden you go through a dry spell. I wonder what the preacher's not doing. Well, I want to say this to you today. Sometimes those rainy spells and dry spells have nothing to do with the preacher or anybody else. Sometimes they're just simply rainy, dry spells from God. 
Bible says he cried to the Lord, and the Lord shewed him a tree which he had cast of the waters. The waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and ordinance, a statute and ordinance, and there he proved them. I want to preach on this thought, and I believe it's all right here in the context of the Word of God. But I want to preach today on this thought, making bitter things sweet. Making bitter things sweet. And I'll share with you where God gave me the thought of this from. Uh, years ago, uh, when I was listening to a cassette tape, that's right, cassette tape, years ago by B.R. Lincoln. Let's bow together and pray. Father, thank you so much for the good spirit today. God, the choir has been wonderful. Miss Chesney, Lord, sung a song that was right on time. And then, Lord, we thank you for Brother Brian, Miss Victoria, that great song to remind us that we are saved and that there is a God in heaven. Lord, I pray now, bless the Word of God today. Touch me as I preach it. Help me to be a blessing to our people today. But most of all, Lord, clothe me in the calling wherewith I'm called and use me today for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. you may be seated. I heard a statement made sometime during this flood and rains in Texas. They said that some people would be glad when the sun would shine again. I thought about years ago when I was listening to a message by B.R. Lincoln and a message that he preached right after his son had died. His son had tragically died. B.R. Lakin was in a meeting. B.R. Lakin is one of my heroes in the ministry. Not that I ever met him. Not that I ever shook his hand. But I did know a lot about him through reading of books and listening to messages. And, and, and certainly uh, God used him greatly from being a man uh, on horseback with a saddlebag and a Bible to passing the great Cato Tabernacle and to being a part of Thomas Road back in his heyday and buried there to this day. And he preached a message entitled, The Bitter Cup. I'll never forget that message. Could you imagine that daddy having to preach a message after the death? You parents, put yourself in a place where one of your children has died. You have to walk in the pulpit. And after his death, you preach a message on the bitter cup. Could you imagine how difficult that must have been for that preacher to do? I remember riding down the road listening to that message. And you could hear as Dr. Lakin was preaching that message, the brokenness. And then he began to talk about all of us having to drink of bitter cups in our life. And I want to say this to you today. If you live long enough, there will be some bitter things that will come in your life. There will be some bitter things that happen. There will be times in your life where bitterness, and I'm not talking about you are bitter, but things that taste bitter will come into your life. But sometimes God can take those bitter things and God can make them sweet things. I take several, drink several drinks that help me in riding bikes and doing different things and recovery and so forth. As at my age, just trying basically to stay in shape to preach and to do what I do and, and exercise and move some. And, and I even have a watch on every now and then. It'll come up, big word says move. 
Amen. And uh, I, I just hate when it comes up after I just rode 30 miles and then it says move. And I'm like, where you at, man? Amen. I just moved. But anyway, I think about uh, some of those drinks. And, and now, of course, I've, all the ones I've got now really taste good. One of them tastes like Chick-fil-A lemonade. Hallelujah. So I enjoy drinking that one. But I think about some of those recovery drinks. And some of them, I don't care what you do to them, they're just bitter. But they say they might be bitter, but they're good for you. Sometimes in life, bitterness comes. But when bitterness comes, God can take bitter things and God can make those bitter things sweet. And so today, with the help of God, I want to talk to you about this passage. Imagine the people of God. They've been led out of Egypt. The Bible says they came out with a high hand. The Bible says God had delivered them. And they come to this place where God has delivered them. And they get to this place where God has delivered them. And when they get there, when they get there, they're praising the praise of Moses. and God's been good. Then things get dry. And after things get dry, they began to do like anybody else would do when things get dry. They began to look for water. They began to try to find water. And then when they find water, thank goodness we found water. But then when they find water, that water is bitter. But God showed them how to make bitter things sweet. I know what you would say, preacher. I don't understand how God could make this bitter taste in my life sweet again. I do not understand why I would go through this. I don't understand where God is sometime. And let me say this. All of those questions are very pertinent. All of those questions, I believe, are understandable. There are times in my life when I cannot see God. And I do not know what God is doing. And I wonder where God is at. But friend, I want to say this. He's the same place He's always been. And listen, sometimes bitterness comes into the life of all of us. I wish I could tell you, I'm not going to try to preach the message of the TV evangelist that says to you, once you get saved, everything's going to go great. They even know that's not the case themselves. I'm not going to tell you that everything is always going to be a, 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 a bed of roses. It's not always going to be uh, uh, like you might want it to be. I will tell you, if you live long enough, bitter things will come. Amen. Just I got a call this week from that evangelist. you live long enough, your children could highly disappoint you. If you live long enough, your family, your spouse could highly disappoint you. If you live long enough, your health. If you live long enough, many things. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to live a long time for any of that to happen. Bitter things are going to come. But I want to say this. I'd rather go through the bitter times with the Lord than go through the bitter times without the Lord. We need Him in our life. When I began to think about Israel, this passage of the Bible you've got before you right now, the Bible says, that God, the Lord, showed him a tree, showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And I don't have to tell you what the picture is there. Obviously that tree, a great picture in the Old Testament of Calvary. 
and I realize that's somewhat, I don't want to say spiritualizing Scripture, but that's drawing the truth. But I want to say to you that I really don't believe that's the main thing God's trying to say in that passage. I believe what God is really trying to say to those people, if you expect everything to be just like you want it all the time, you better realize there's going to be bitter spots in your life. I appreciate this good church. I love my church. No pulpit. Nowhere I preach in would I rather be than this one. I love my church. I love the people. I love working in the office. I love, as long as I have to sit down long. I love, I love, I love what I do. I enjoy every minute of it. I, but I want to say this to you. It's difficult sometimes as a pastor to watch people that you love and care about go through these bitter times in their life where literally they want to pull the cover over their head and literally they want to hide and literally they will say, preacher, why in the world would I have to go through this bitter tasting time in my life and for you not to have an answer? Amen. I want to say this to you today and I want you to get a hold of what I'm saying. God can take bitter times and God can make sweet times. Everybody in this building has been let down by somebody, hurt by someone, or you've done that to them. Everyone in this building sometime or another saw a bill you didn't see coming and it blew your mind that day. A health thing that came up. Every preacher's walked in his church and had things that happen like a lightning bolt take out $13,000 worth of equipment right before the Sunday morning service. All of us have had phone calls where someone we love diagnosed with cancer, someone we love God took home. I want with the help of God to give you three life lessons that God had given me about this passage of the Word of God and I want you to jot them down if not on paper in your memory and I want you to think about uh, God making bitter things sweet. Number one, and I want to say this, I want you to get a hold of I'm getting ready to say, watch this, life is a mixture. Life is a mixture. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Just as you put some things, I think about, I think about ladies that bake a cake or men, if they do so much, uh, bake a cake. I think about uh, some of the ingredients that you have to put in uh, to a cake and some of that stuff tastes horrible by itself. I wouldn't advise drinking the vanilla. I wouldn't advise getting you a spoonful of lard. But you put it all together and it becomes a mixture. If it comes out like some of these ladies in this church cook, when it comes out, praise God for the mixture. Amen. It tastes a whole lot better when it all gets together. And your life is the same way. There's going to be the good. There's going to be the bad. There's going to be happy. There's going to be sad. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be good times. And you have to realize that life is a mixture. There's a Bible verse. Jesus summed it up well. The Bible verse in the Word of God says, He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. 
People ask me, well, I'm saved. Why in the world would this be in my life? Why would I struggle? Why this battle? Well, friend, can I tell you this? First of all, you need to make sure it's not a battle you have created. It's not something you have done. Don't blame God for what you do. Don't blame God for your bad decisions. Don't blame God many times when it is not God's fault. But when things do come in your life, realize why in the world should it not be you? Why should it not be? Because you deserve better. I deserve better. Life's a mixture. God never told us. God never took the thorn out of Paul's flesh. Sometimes God will... Bless us with a prayer of restoration and heal our body while we're in this world through prayer. But most of the time, we all know this, He answers that prayer through resurrection. Many times, people that are saved just go home. Though the cancer might be bitter, though the heart attack might be bitter, though the accident might have been bitter, when those folks get home, heaven's sweet. When we see them again, heaven's sweet. God's the only one who can do that. Give us hope when we don't have any hope. Give us joy when we don't have any joy. Life is a mixture. I don't like the vanilla. I certainly don't like, and I have never have, eat a spoonful of lard. Though cookout hamburgers close. I don't like some of the ingredients that life throws sometimes. Don't look at me like you flew in here. Neither do you. Life is a mixture. Number two, watch this. Life has a master. The Bible said when the people of God began to murmur and listen, they began to complain to Moses. They began to complain about Moses and, and leader. It had nothing to do with Moses. It had nothing to do with him. This uh, Moses was not the master of their life. Moses was not the director of their life. There was but one directing their life and that was God. I will say this to you. Everything that ever come in your life before he gets there, God already knew. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If you end up with cancer, God knew you were going to have it. If you end up in a car wreck, God knew you were going to have a wreck. You say, well, preacher, if he knew it, why didn't he prevent it? You might be surprised if you really knew how many times God did prevent it and how many times God did keep it away. He just didn't send you a letter and say, I touched your body today. I got that cancer cell out today. You don't have to have it. And you never even knew anything about it. See, a lot of times we think the only time we see is when it's evident. How many times has God kept you from that accident? How many times has God watched over you? I was driving home last night. Huge deer right off the bank, right in front of me. Gave me just enough time to hit my brakes on the truck. And he went by. I, I, I mean, I feel like we had a personal relationship. I talked to him. He talked to me. It was that close. <laughs> I could have swerved and whatever, I guess. I don't know, but I, I don't do that. I just hit him. 
You dumb enough to run out there, you're dumb enough to get hit. But I want to say this, you know, and that's the way, I mean, I, I mean that's the way possums are raised. A possum is raised. A mama says, one day, make me proud, son. Walk out in front of a car at night and get run over. That's the way a possum's raised. They come up like that. I, they, can you see one possum looking at another possum? I don't tell you about my boy. My boy stepped right out in front of that car. I'm so proud of him. This is what possums do. Sometimes things come in your life and you look at it and you think, does God even know about this? Now, don't misunderstand me. Let me make something very clear. There are things you create. I mean, I have to be nice when I talk to people, but sometimes when they talk to me and they have this, oh, no, why in the world, why it? It's decisions you made 20 years ago creating this. It's decisions you made 10 years ago creating this. It's not marrying in the will of God. It's not following the will of God for your life. It's making decisions that got you away from God. It's things in your life you've done and you're blaming it on God, but let's be honest, it's not God's fault. Well, you take someone like Miss Angela battling this cancer. Or you take some families in our church going through battles. I don't know that they did anything to bring that on. But God did know that bitter time would come. And I'll be honest with you, if you're waiting on me to give an answer on why, you won't get it. Because I don't know. But I do know this. I do know that when God let anything come in Job's life, God knew who he could trust with the infirmity. God knew that Job wouldn't quit on him. God knew that Job would stay the test. God knew. Hey, I don't know, but remember sometimes, God did not create robots. Everybody has a will. Everybody has a will. That means people. That means your children. Brother Todd, your children, whoever they are, have their own will. And only one sometimes can break it is God. You know what I do? I pray for their safety while God breaks their will. I sat beside of Adam Brady when he was 18 years old and I said, Adam, you're going to be dead for your 20 if you don't get your life right with God. Adam Brady was one of the closest young people to me. His mom and dad I led to Christ. He grew up with my daughter playing in the front yard in the little drive around battery cars. I remember his whole life. I said, you're going to be dead before you're 20 if you don't get your life straightened out. And that was the case. I'm not saying I was a prophet by no means. I'm just telling you, I saw it coming. And the shame of it is he had to die accidentally, really, not meaning to do what he... It's just sad. That wasn't God's fault. That wasn't a mom and daddy who loved God with all their heart. And I know personally how much they love the Lord. If there's anybody who loves Jesus, it's that family. But that was the will of a young man. See, sometimes God will give you your way. He will let you go your way. Is anybody listening? God will let you go because you've got a will. You can make your own things better. You run from God, play games with God and think there's no consequences. i got news for you. Yes, there is. I promise you, if you're a child of God, there's consequences. Amen? I want to say, first of all, life is a mixture.
Second of all, life has a master. God's in control of my life. I despise the word cancer, and I'll be glad one day when we get to heaven. We don't have to worry about it again. But every time we get a little lump or every time, every time we don't feel good, we all we go on the internet and we diagnose ourselves. One time I looked and I could have died about 32 different things. I had a cold. You know what I mean. I'm not going to stand before you and tell you, well, God knew my child would do this. Or God, God's omniscient. He knows everything. God did not create robots. God's the only one can make bitter things sweet. He's the only one. The third thing I'm going to give you, I believe, is the most important in the message. Watch this. You need to drill this into your head. Number one, life is a mixture. Reigns on the just and unjust. It don't matter if you say not. Well, I'm going to quit serving God if bad things happen to me. You might as well quit today. You might as well go ahead and go tonight and get on the bar stool and get you a fifth of liquor. If you're going to live your life like, well, if something bad's going to happen, I ain't serving God. I got news for you, friend. If you're saved, you're not going to hell and you might not forget that. You might remember that God gave His Son so you wouldn't have to go to hell. Amen. You might not remember that you don't deserve it. That's easy preaching. Because if tomorrow something happened to Miss Wendy, I'm going to get a fifth lick and I'm just kidding. Something happened to Miss Wendy, I, I don't know how to respond. I don't know what I'd do. I have no clue. You be honest. Something happened to one of your kids. You don't know what you do. Miss Angie, you and I are talking about that. And you go through things. You don't know what you do. You say, preacher, maybe I didn't handle this. Right. I don't even know how I'd handle it. Because you're not there. You don't know. It's easy to look at somebody and say, oh, just trust God. That's easy talk. Unless you're putting a child in a casket. Or you're sitting under chemo. You just lost your job. That mixture, that vanilla. That lard gets in there and it's a little different, isn't it? Especially when it's your life. Is anybody listening? Life is a mixture, number two. Life as a master. I'm going to give you the third one and I'm done. Listen, listen. Life is a ministry. Life is a ministry. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Friend, your life is a ministry. Whatever you go through, whatever your battle, there's a world watching, saved and unsaved. There are people that watch your life and your life is a ministry. If you only serve God like Israel's doing this passage I read, when it's good. And as soon as it gets bad, you're blaming the preacher, Moses. You're, you're, you're blaming everybody else. You're even blaming God. I mean, it started beginning. Even Adam blamed God. That woman you gave me. 
God, if you hadn't messed up my life and gave me that woman, I wouldn't be in this mess. Adam, you are not asked for. You know you didn't want to be alone. I tried to help you out. And because she did it don't mean you have to. But it's easier, always easier to blame everybody else. And it's always easy to never to not let God use things in your life. Amen. Am I helping anybody? Amen. Life's a ministry. Life is a ministry. Do you understand everything you go through in your life? It may be bitter today, but six months from now, a year from now, somebody else sitting by you in that church, somebody else that didn't have that issue, somebody else who wasn't going through that battle, all of a sudden's about ready to throw it in. And you walk over to them and you say, hey, a year ago, I was there. Let me tell you what God did for me. See if I can help you get through it. Life is a ministry. It is. This last bicycle accident I had, when I was in that hospital, I wanted to respond a lot of different ways, but I knew everybody that came to me in that place, life was a ministry. Now, when I was on drugs, I apologize for the ministry, but life, life is a ministry. Every nurse I came in contact with, every doctor I came in contact with, life's a ministry. When somebody says, you're a preacher and that happened to you, you know what they're really saying? Why did God let that happen? That's what they're saying. God had nothing to do with it. Bifocals and stupidity had something to do with it. It's that simple. God had probably had his way. I'd been in Uganda somewhere preaching that day. I don't know. God, I didn't wake up one morning. God said, thou shalt ride a bicycle. Thou shalt ride it stupidly. Brother Brad, you're a paramedic. Whole lot of stupidly gets picked up, doesn't it? <laughs> right? I guarantee you more people doing dumb things get picked up than people doing just regular life. Putting stuff in their body. I felt so sorry for a girl. I, I tell you what, it was hard to watch. I watched a young girl, had to be in her 20s with two boys. I stopped by, let me see when this was. Was I home yesterday morning? Yeah, yesterday morning. I'm just, things run together. I've been in meetings a couple weeks. I was in sheets. I had to wait on a cup of coffee because every one of the coffee pots had run out. Can you imagine that sheets? They had so many people getting coffee yesterday morning, draining things. You ought to ever see that. So I waited three minutes. I got it after about two. I thought it looked good enough. But this girl was walking with these two boys, and there was no doubt about it, probably in her 20s. Tattoo here, tattoo here, you know, and dressed like she probably wasn't going to be singing in the choir. And she was a crack addict, and you could just tell it. So twitchy and nervous. and you could I mean, it was no doubt you could tell that young girl. And I thought in my life, you can blame that on everybody in the world. But there was a day you put that junk in your body. There was a day you began to destroy your life. And we got to get back to telling these snowflakes in this country, what you do, you are responsible for. Amen. 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 Good. 
You know why I'm not an alcoholic? I don't drink beer. You say, well, that make you better than me. No, but I'm not an alcoholic. Well, I'm not either. Well, you go to Baptist church and hide it. Then you get high on it because Jesus ain't good enough. You say it's no big deal, but you can't put it up so it controls you. Life's a ministry, James. It's a ministry. And the whole world's watching. God can make the bitter things sweet. Todd, you know 100% your preacher loves you. You know that. I don't see how you could not know that. Because I put up with Miss Linda. And anybody puts up with Miss Linda loves Jesus. She's my kind of church member, redneck and wide open. Right, Miss Linda? We laugh. Don't look funny. We laugh about it all the time. I wished I could take the bitterness away, but I can't. I wished I could tell you it's not going to be bitter tomorrow, but I can't. When people do wrong, and by the way, all you bunch of young people, don't you go flocking to people that do wrong. I don't know why that's got to be your heroes. Why you young girls want to date somebody doing wrong? What's wrong with y'all? You've lost your mind? Do I need to get right in your face and preach a while? You better find you somebody that loves Jesus full of the Holy Ghost and that's who you better hang out with. You hear me, Jamie? That's who you better hang out with. Flocking to people that go in opposite directions. God help us. Only God's one can turn them bitter things sweet. Preacher, there's no way this can ever be sweet in my life. You might be surprised. Brother Michael here beside him, I mean, I'm just using example because I'm standing beside of him. He's a fun guy to be around. He talks a lot. Don't you, Brother Michael? He does. I mean, he, he, he's one of the best vacation Bible school impersonators of whoever you need. I'm convinced if I believe that I don't believe in, in, in reincarnation, I don't believe in it. It's not, I don't believe in it. But I believe he would be that Geico dude. If, if, if I mean, <laughs> say something. Yeah, say again. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. But there have been some bitter things in his life. One of those bitter things was in Desert Storm. And he still suffers with it today. Bitter. Say, so how do you take that bitterness and make it sweet? Somebody else walks in this church hurting going through it. I can walk up to somebody, Brother Michael, and say, I know how you feel. That'd be a lie. Because I don't. I can hug you and pray for you. Love on you as your pastor. I don't know how you feel. Miss Pam, you can look at your daughter and say, I know how you feel, but let's be honest, you really don't. If you're not dealing with it and going in and signing that paper and having that radiation, you don't know how it feels. Unless you're there, but somebody else does. That's why people like Miss Carol and others come to you. You know what God's doing in Miss Carol's life when she comes to you? She's making something bitter, sweet.
Brother Todd, you need some encouragement. I guarantee there's a family in here that could come by you and say, Todd, look, I've been there. I've been there. Stand our feet. Miss Amy. Father, I appreciate the good liberty this morning. God, you are definitely, evidently in this building. God, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. God, you've come to help somebody today. God, with the liberty and peace, I just had to preach that message, Lord. The easiness of it. God, you wanted to make it easy. Because there's some folks who have had to taste some bitter things. And God, you're the only one who can get the sweetness out of it. And God, I just pray, I just pray that we'd listen to you and we'd grow and let our life be a ministry. While our heads are bowed, you don't have to wait on this preacher to come. Many are already slipping out of their seat and coming. The trio back here is going to sing for us in just a moment. Don't worry about the tears. Your tears today will be somebody else's tomorrow. I wonder how many of us this morning would say, Lord, I want you to make my life a ministry. Whatever happens in my life, Lord, I want you to let it be a ministry. Miss Amy, your daughter's life is a ministry. You are a ministry. All your world crumbled at one time in your life. But instead of quitting, walking away, you know what God's done in your life? He's made bitter things. Sweet for Brother Jonathan and precious children. Have you ever thanked God for the bitter things that made you better? Have you ever thanked God for the rough times that got you back on track? You ever got off track and then all of a sudden something bitter had to come and God put you back on track? Buddy, I feel a touch from another world. I feel like God's going to use somebody's life this morning as a ministry, as a help. I'll be talking about those gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 tonight. One of those gifts, a gift of helps. Sometimes God gives us those gifts of helps by going through the tougher times. Miss Mary, I know you and Brother John have never complained about Chloe's condition. You never have to me. You just loved her for what she is. But I think about this precious little lady over here. Can you imagine the sweetness that come out of that bitterness just talking to her? She's just visiting our church the last couple weeks. You could walk by her and say, man, let me tell you, Y'all sing for us if you would, Brother James. When the storm raged about them, the disciples were afraid. Of course, they did have a basket between their legs. The waves were high. They could reach down and get some help. 
they could not Brother Mark, find Thomas their said. way. Then they awoke the master, saying, Lord, please save us now. Will you let your and life be a ministry? Winds and the sea Do you know it's going to be a mixture? And they all wondered how. Do you know who the master is? God sees the storm from the other side. He knows the lessons learned. There it is, ministry. And just beyond the clouds, he sees clear skies. Some of you ladies, come pray with this dear lady right here. Don't let her pray. He speaks peace to the raging storm when peace cannot be found. He already sees the rainbow when we see only clouds like the man on the sea did I have called on God in prayer when it seemed to me all hope was gone and in my deep despair I remembered what the Lord said when he calmed that troubled sea. Yes. And I know once more how he sees the storm. And peace floods over me. God sees the storm from the other side. Aren't you glad he does? Knows the lessons learned, and just beyond the clouds, he sees clear skies. Oh, he speaks peace to the raging storm when peace cannot be found. He already sees the rainbow. Just a minute. You look at me just a second. There are people all over our country suffering. Some lost homes. In Georgia last week, a 34-year-old lady buried, or a lady buried her 34-year-old husband. There are people that wish today they could have got up and had a nicer car as you had to drive. Had a good meal like you'll have when you leave today. There are people that Miss Adrian would love to have a chef to look at them and say to them, I want you to be my wife. Well, Stanley, there's daddies would love to have children like you have, a wife that loves God. I'll say something to you. We are way behind. We amplify the bitter things. Why? 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 But you know what we fail to do? We fail to look around our life. And see how good God 
when I get a call like I did from a preacher out of state whose daughter has left them and broke their heart. I've got a 24-year-old girl sitting in the church in Asheboro this morning that still loves Jesus. Still loves her mom and daddy. And so far, except for Matt, hasn't been a disappointment. And I kid with that. Thank God for a young man that loves my youngin' and loves, loves the Lord. Don't fail to think that everything in life is bitter. I promise you, if you weigh it out, is anybody listening? Won't you weigh it out sometime? Miss Joyce, if I asked you how many healthy grandchildren you have, you know what you say to me? All of them. Miss Victoria, been some bitter times for Brother Clark and Miss Robin through the years. But I asked them how many of your children are serving God? All of them. Who leads the music at Calvary? He would say, my son. I don't know about you. Lord, I feel God, man. I feel it. I don't know about you. I hate the bitter times. I don't want them to come. I have no desire to drink the vanilla. And I'll be honest with you, Miss Barbara, you've been through it. Whole world crashed. I know that story. I don't want to drink the vanilla, but if I'll be honest, when I go home today, my life, there'll be a big old huge cake little bit of vanilla but a whole lot Miss Angela I'm telling you what's that cake you fix for me that I like so much sun drop pound cake do you put vanilla in it you ever tasted it vanilla you put lard in it you trying to kill me you ever just, you, Brother Rick, you ever just eat lard? But I'm be honest with you, bring me that cake. Man. There's a whole lot more cake than there is vanilla. A whole lot more cake than there is lard. I hope. Right? Y'all see where I'm going? Brother Cook, I know. Some of the stuff been through, and your little boy, I mean, listen, I'm telling you, that's some bitter stuff. Where's he at today? Where are you at today? Wonder if you would have got here if it hadn't been for that. Right? I've seen your heart broken. I've seen your whole life melt. I guess you can thank God for that. I'm trying to get her laugh because she's about to cry. Brother Brad, I've seen the world deal some blows to you. Say. Say, other ones on the other side. Say, where do you belong? 
little bitter things on them. You went back to Wisconsin, didn't you? It was bitter for a little while. Well, the same story I got and came back this time. What did y'all do? You made bitter things. I'm feeling a whole lot of God right now. I'm about to feel nothing I can run home. He makes bitter things sweet, honey. Did y'all sing me a little piece of that God is so good acapella? Just y'all three voices just jump in there and find it. God is so good. Anybody seeing that big piece of cake today? God is so sometime not to vanilla and when the vanilla comes remember God can turn it sweet it's just the ingredients amen Father thank you for your presence thank you for your goodness and your grace help us Lord have a good rest of the afternoon but then God help us to come back tonight with a cup turned up asking for more from the Lord's table. God, thank you for loving old sinners like us. In Jesus' name.